Hey y'all, welcome to the fifth episode of the Meta Podcast. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. We're kind of changing the format. Um, just so bear with me, it might sound a little bit interview-esque. Uh, I, try, I try not to have these uh, be so like interview-esque because, you know, I'm not a journalist or anything. Uh, but this episode's pretty exciting because I got to talk to a gentleman named Sean O'Connell. Uh, Sean's a film critic and the managing director at cinemablend.com. It's a website. If you don't know, it's a website that reports on like the latest industry news and all things uh, entertainment industry related. related. Um, The reason I'm talking to Sean is because he has written a book that's now available to buy. Actually, it's called uh, Release the Snyder Cut. And for those of you that don't know, the Snyder Cut is or was because I guess the uh, the movie's coming out on, on March 18th on HBO Max. Uh, it's the story of the unfinished Justice League film that never actually came out back in 2017 um, because essentially what happened was, to keep it quick, the director, Zack Snyder, had to kind of step away from the project due to some like family tragedies. And after that, the studio basically took his version of the movie over um, because they thought you know it wasn't going to do well, and they basically retooled it, which... Nobody liked because the movie did poorly, the one that came out, um, which a lot of people don't really think that that is like, like just nobody buys that version of the movie because it um, it's not essentially the vision of what the director wanted. Uh, so after that, in light of that, um, a fan movement kind of, you know, came to fruition and kind of arose to raise awareness for suicide. And, and uh, over the years, they've kind of made their voice heard so loud that um, three years later, last year in May, uh, Warner Brothers actually announced that they're going to be letting Zack Snyder finish his vision of the movie for everybody to see. And again, that'll be out on March 18th on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, you'll get to check out the actual Justice League movie. Uh, It's like a four-hour superhero uh, Justice League movie. Uh, And it's it's an out-and-out director's cut of the film. Uh, so I got to talk to Sean about it, and he is a really generous guy, really genuine, a true fanboy himself, and he uh, kind of found himself learning a lot from fandom, from from what I can tell, and if you're interested in not just like the Justice League movie, but just like how, you know, studio systems work today, and, and like the, the importance of retaining artistic integrity, and like just how powerful fandom can be. Sean wrote a great book. I've read it. It's a really good book and it's a really fascinating story. And it has a, it, thank God it has a happy ending. And it's, it's yeah, it's a great book. Uh, the link to buy it is in the description if you're interested. And I had ha- uh, recently had a chance to speak with him back in January, uh, is I think when I spoke to him. We had a, uh, got to sit down over Zoom and talk about his book. And we also talked about some DC things as well. So here's our conversation. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I guess I just want to jump into it. Um, so the Snyder Cut book, um, I, I just want to know, like, what, what kind of, like, drove you to, to um, you know, start telling the story? The story itself um, and the size of it, the size and scope of it. Um, I never I never thought about sitting down and writing a book, and it wasn't until I sort of got into this story that I realized that there was enough there to kind of sustain a book. Um, and, and, and for me getting into it, one of the most exciting elements or interesting elements was the behind the scenes film stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, DC and Warner brothers building up to their first live action justice league movie, you know, first time seeing all these characters in live action together on the big screen and, 
how important that must have been for DC fans. And, you know, I'm a Marvel fanatic and, uh, you know, seeing building up to these two was something so significant, uh, Endgame and, and Infinity War that I couldn't imagine the anticipation that DC fans were feeling. And then to have all the stuff behind the scenes happen with it for the, for the director to leave midway through the production and, you know, to get replaced by the, the chief Marvel guy, like all of that was fascinating to me. So I was, I was setting the book up to be that story kind of like just all the behind the scenes film stuff. And it was my wife who turned around and said like, um, okay, but all these people who are like fighting to get that cut released, like who are they and why do they care so much? And then it became, then I kind of understood that like, oh no, this is a much bigger story just about fandom in general. And when can a fan base kind of unite and accomplish something that now that it's done, I can truly call like unprecedented. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it definitely like, did it, did it kind of like, did it kind of spark even more when you saw the theatrical cut um, after, you know, the whole, the Joss Whedon cut, I guess is what they're calling it. Um, yeah. Well, I, I kind of just dismissed it um, mm-hmm. at that point, you know, like it hurt my heart that the movie was as bad as it was. Yeah. Because I knew how important the movie was to a lot of people. And so, you know, if you think about it from any movie that you're like wildly anticipating Mm -hmm. um, to have it be that much of a disaster. And especially like I'm not I'm not a huge like I I wasn't I'm not a huge fan of Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. But I think my heart definitely broke for for Zack Snyder because you see that movie like I mean, I saw it in theatrical and like I'm not a huge DC guy and I still was able to tell like okay, I don't think this is anything remotely close to what he wanted. Um, but it had his name on it. And too. it had his name on it, right. And that was just kind of like, um, and that's when I started doing more of the research. And that, I think at, around that time, like it was like a back and forth, like does this cut even exist? And I think right. it was still about a year out from after Zach went on like the Vero app and he confirmed, of course yeah. it exists. Um, so, I, I mean, like you, you mentioned, you know, that this is there's a larger story about fandom i'm curious what what's the one like what did you learn about fandom in general like these uh, last uh, you writing it for two years now well i started writing it in august of 2019 mm-hmm. and so um it's been about a year and a half oh, process okay. and one thing that i was reminded and, and every once in a while I, I used to get this reminder every time i went back to comic-con like I'm immersed in this on a day-to-day basis. Like that's my job, right? Uh, so I, I write for Cinema Blend. I, I manage Cinema Blend. Like the, the day-to-day of pop culture is just something that's part of my existence. But I'm, I'm reminded when I go to a huge event like uh, San Diego Comic-Con of how much people use this um, escape from their normal jobs or their normal lives. And like that to them, these movies, the comic books, these characters that they love, um, they truly are a way for them to to escape, and and they they put so much value into that. And I'm reminded of that every single time that I see a fan go up to the microphone to ask you know a question to uh, a director or a showrunner or an actor who they deeply admire. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Like that's why we're doing this mm. because there's a ton of people who rely on this industry because it's so important to them. And that's what the story of the Snyder Cut reminded me uh, of just the passion that goes with loving something, you know, like truly, truly loving something um, and wanting a, a wrong to be righted, you know, like 
that a director who you deeply admire didn't get to, to put his vision out there and yeah. to want to research like what went wrong with it. Um, and then to see just how global uh, Zach's fan base is. Like I literally heard from fans from every corner of the planet and it, it humbles you a little bit to step back and be like, this man's impact, you know, yeah. stretches farther and wider than any than any than I could have even anticipated going into this. What was... You know that these characters are popular, but you yeah. forget that his interpretations of them mm -hmm. uh, have become so popular over the years. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing you can't take away from Zack Snyder is that he, like, it every frame of like his movie, like he knows how to get that comic book aesthetic onto screen. I mean, like, uh, definitely. Um, can't um, dock him for that. Um, what was the most, like, I'm curious, like, you, you interacted with, I'm, I'm sure, like, a lot of fans, um, you know, throughout the course of, of this book. So, like, what was, like, what was, like, an interaction that particularly, like, touched you? Like, going, man, like, I just couldn't imagine. Like, I'm a fan myself, and I... Yeah, one, I mean, one in particular was this guy, Jeff Purdy, mm -hmm. who is active in the movement and opened up and told me his story. And so much of what the Snyder Cut movement goes through is tied, even people who I think have a cursory knowledge of it, is tied to um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The fact that they raise money and they raise funds to combat um, suicide or to, to raise more awareness to get more help for people who need it. And Jeff was one of the people who shared his story with me. Like, he literally told me that going into the 2017 theatrical cut, he was going through a particularly hard time in his life. A number of things were going on um, with health in his family, uh, at his work. And he said he went to that screening truly for Justice League to be an escape from all the horrible things that were going on in his day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Like he wanted to just go into that movie and get a two-hour reprieve from like the dark cloud that was hanging over him. And instead he just, you know, kind of got pummeled even more, you know, by a horrible <laughs> version of a movie that he was truly anticipating. And he ended up finding friendship, you know, and kinship with other people in the Snyder Cut movement and that that quest for proof and that search for verification that an actual cut existed kept him, according to him, kept him distracted enough, you know, that he didn't think about the, the worst alternative, which is taking his own life. And he said he literally felt like that's how down he was. Yeah. And his involvement in and interaction with people in the Snyder Cut movement, in his own words, saved his own life. And when you hear that from somebody, it's just, it really, it's sobering. You know, it's, it's like, this is so much more than just a cut of a superhero movie. It's, right. um, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle now for people who have committed themselves to it. And it's like, it's, it's so, it, it is sobering. Cause you look at like the last three years now coming up almost four years now, since this has been going on and like the awareness that, you know, this, the this community has kind of raised for suicide awareness is is incredible um five hundred thousand dollars really by fans wow yeah, over half a million dollars and you know zach will be the first one to point out that that is money that has gone to keeping people on the telephone banks you know at afsp so that when someone needs to reach out that there's somebody waiting there for have them. you you've got an um, interview zach for this book i'm assuming i did yes oh, okay. i got wow. the interview i won't book. ask you any because then that defeats the purpose of reading the book but um well getting him i can tell you was just significant you know because yeah. i could have researched you know things that he has said over the years and included quotes from him mm -hmm. but without getting him i i don't think i would have felt like i had his blessing 
at the very least. Mm-hmm. I knew he was aware of the book while I was working on it. He was he wasn't able to talk for the longest time, and I, I kind of thought it was I thought it was two things. I thought one he was either working on something himself, maybe a documentary about the behind the scenes, um, and two I thought maybe he was negotiating with studios to to get something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, once they were able to announce the cut in May of 2020, I got on the phone with them like June 3rd. I think we spoke. Did that? <laughs> was that? I mean, would that footage be his at that point? I mean, after like, or would that be like completely Warner Brothers property? And great question. Um, he could have. I don't know if he had anybody like on set filming stuff, mm-hmm. like filming stuff of his own sort yeah. of thing. That could have just been like interviews with the cast. Yeah, you know, or even like uh, a cut that he was working on before he had stepped down. I didn't know, like, did he take that with him or like would Warner Brothers hang on to that? I, I mean, that's a great question. And I always wanted to know that. And I didn't ask him this, yeah. um, but I, I hope if I get a chance to interview him during this, I want to know this, too. Like, did he just have a cut laying around uh-huh. that he kind of like tinkered with? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> recruited some friends and be like hey, do some VFX on this. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, but, if you're Zack Snyder, uh, I'm pretty sure you know lots of VFX houses that you can just send little clips to be like, course. hey, could you work on this? And they go, oh, my God, it's the Snyder Cut. Um, <laughs> so what, I mean, I'm curious, in your opinion, like what precedent do, you, what precedent do you think sets, like what do you think going forward now for not just for Warner Brothers, but for like these big blockbusters that, um, I mean, obviously, you know, one that comes to mind is like Ayer's Suicide Squad cut um, or, I mean, even films in the past. I mean, do you think like they're going to start maybe getting into like negotiations about a direct, like doing director's cuts of these of these films? Or do you think the Snyder I cut still- is usually just like a, is like a one and done? Yeah, I, I really do think that this is a pretty rare case, you mm-hmm. know, where there there really was an, a truly alternate film, you know, and, and you've heard estimates in terms of the reshoots of the theatrical cut of anywhere between like 80 and 90 percent of the film was reshot, you yeah. know, and, and only 10 percent of it is acts. And then you had a situation where you had a director who was literally lobbying to get his alternate cut out. Like most of the directors will kind of say like, no, my cut is the one that made it to theaters. Yeah. Um, the air cut feels like one that could come. And and what part of the reason why I think that, that this is more possible nowadays is the existence of these streaming services. Yeah, like I think HBO Max to- is a pretty significant game changer in terms of like, okay, we don't have to go through a whole three theatrical run for these things. Um, oh, without HBO Max, I honestly don't think we're seeing the Snyder Cut anytime soon. Oh, really? Uh, as, well, especially as COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, as the pandemic, yeah. Theatrical distribution. You know, like everything's been pushed back, mm-hmm. and if it if it was required to have a theatrical run, or if, or if Zach was waiting for theatrical to be available to him, I think he'd be waiting at least another three to five years. That could be true, yeah, because they have so many movies on the slate that um, they're planning for theatrical. Um, I think in DC in particular you're like or in the recent years like like kind of like I like to refer to like kind of like DC as we know it like post 2000 like post dark knight rises you know is is really when like the the DC universe i feel like kicked off do you think like they changed gears in between like after after everybody started criticizing it for being too dark um I don't know. Is it legit to say that they kind of shifted direction after that with like, you know, the lighthearted feel of Wonder Woman? Yeah, no, I think a hundred percent that they, 
after Man of Steel and BVS and Suicide Squad. Um, and I think the reaction to BVS is what really scared them, mm-hmm. the executives. And I think Zach has gone out and said on record that after um, after Batman, the reception to Batman versus Superman is when the studio started getting onto him about changing things in Justice League. Well, he said it in... Um, he said it to us on the set of Justice League. Oh, okay. uh, we, we got to go to the set in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cinema Blend got to go. I got to go with a couple of other outlets. And he admitted to us that the reaction to BBS took him by surprise. Um, oh, that he and Debbie as producing partners kind of had to reassess their approach to it. And the way that he described it is that just when he approaches the comic book material, he gets really lost in the details. He really gets and gets swept up in the mythology of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guarantee you, Warner Brothers believed that putting Batman and Superman together in the same movie that happened to have Wonder Woman in it also, they thought it was going to cross a billion dollars easily. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they were clearly looking across the street at Marvel yeah, and seeing the number of Marvel films that were crossing a billion dollars. Like, you got to remember that Iron Man 3... The, like the third Iron Man movie crossed a billion dollars. Yeah. And Warner Brothers is looking at BVS and saying, like, how is this stalling out? Like, why are we not? Why isn't it doing as well? Mm-hmm. So their snap reaction to it is that people aren't buying into the Snyder vision. I think Civil so War tra- came out just two months after that and it outdid Batman versus Superman. Or I could be wrong, I guess. I'd have to look at the No, numbers. no, no. I mean, Civil War did extremely well. Yeah. Um, so they messed with David Ayer's version, mm-hmm. you know. They they were given the opportunity because of the tragedy in Zach's life um, to switch gears. Mm-hmm. But but one thing that I think they did that shot themselves in the foot is that they didn't give Whedon, Joss Whedon, the time that it would have taken for him to properly do a Justice League movie. Like, yeah, I honestly believe that you know if Joss was given the chance to do a Justice League movie given the fact that he had done two Avengers films yeah and he had complete freedom to do it the way that he wanted to do it it mm-hmm. would have been at least watchable like it wouldn't be anything like that shooting 80% of a big studio movie over the course of one summer like that just doesn't sound doable no. um it's impossible and there's also i don't know if you've heard this but there's a theory that joss whedon like actually put a sign that said i tried <laughs> um in the opening credits of like of justice league there's like somebody on the streets holding it and literally it says it as written by joss whedon um if, yeah if you listen to the lyrics of that opening song which mm-hmm. is one of the most like melancholic bizarre yeah. opening song to a superhero movie like the the lyrics of that song are like uh, the the ship was leaking, the captain's off the boat. Yeah. Like it's all this kind like of like everybody knows this is a disaster, but you know yeah, what? We're go- <laughs> and then yeah, he put, and then the homeless guy with the I tried sign. Yeah, only be interpreted as that as Joss. Said, and it was literally right as Joss's name was like on the screen. So um, yeah, um, so I guess. Um, we're running out of time. I do want to get a chance to review. So on the podcast, we do pick one movie, um, any movie between the two of us, um, and we just review it. And so you picked Soul, Sean, uh, this year's uh, Pixar's movie, Soul. Um, so tell me, what, what what did you love about Soul? I loved how rewarding it has been uh, on multiple viewings. I've been able to see it three times now. And each time I go back and see it, it's a different film. 
um, because the first time through, I had sort of expectations of it being the story of Jamie Foxx's character, which is a guy who he's a jazz musician. He's just about to get his big break. He's kind of stuck teaching middle school band. Um, and on the day that he gets his big break, a chance to play with the jazz quartet, uh, he dies. And it's, I mean, even just that alone is fascinating to me that Pixar has a, a movie that can't really get going until the main character is killed off. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big swing. For, it's a, for a beautiful, family. like it's for like, I, I honestly feel like this is the first thing that Pixar's done in so long. That's for adults, you know, like, it, yes. like adults can relate with like, it's a guy in, in his midlife crisis and yeah. it's so relate. It's like a commentary on mental health too, which, oh, in a big way, which I didn't get the first time through at all. Exactly. And and I didn't I had to watch it again after I asked you which movie and you said so I said, okay, I better rewatch this. And and so it was just uh it was so fascinating to me how they went with that direction, yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's just so brilliant. Like, I don't think you can take everything away from soul unless you've lived years, right? Like you have mm. to almost know what it's like to have a dream and to yeah. to have chased it for a while. To mm-hmm. kind of realize that the takeaway from this is like maybe you're chasing after the wrong thing, yeah, or maybe your calling is something different. Like that is a deep, deep, you know. But but then in and of itself, just tr- the the visualization of something as obscure as the afterlife mm-hmm. is so freeing to an animator that yeah. I love to just go back and see like the great before and, and Rasner cool things- or uh, is it the, the Trent Rasner and Atticus. Atticus uh, Ross, their their score is so brilliant in the movie. I mean, like, yeah. I, I honestly, for Pixar to get them as composers, like, I mean, it just like uh, if I heard it and I had not seen the film, um, I would have been like, why? Like, that sounds so um, out of the blue and unordered. Ex- like, it just sounds so weird for to have them. But then you watch the film and you hear their score, and it's just like, wow. Yep. Um, uh, so I really love Pete Doctor as a mm-hmm. storyteller. Um, he did, and I thought Inside Out. Now that I've seen Soul, feels like his warm up to that. Mm-hmm. And Inside Out is still like a really great deep exploration of the mind of yeah. a preteen girl, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then he goes from that to just uh, here's an existential study of of where we are in the He's universe. had a great career, <laughs> Pete Doctor. He's had a great career. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's the type of movie, too, that'll still be rewarding as you get older and older and you mm-hmm. keep going back to revisit it and you just come at it with different eyes. Did you like what and, they did with the uh, opening logo where they do the disney pixar and they it like starts to warp into like some jazz and you're like uh what's going on loved i loved it i yeah. thought that was a really funny way for them to get into it with the middle school band mm-hmm. i loved it too it was great um so anything else you want to say about soul uh no no that's it check it out on disney plus if people haven't seen it yet yeah disney plus love to have that um so sean the final part of our podcast we, we i just do like a rapid fire with everybody so these are just like a i try to tailor it to where it's you know DC um, uh, friendly, given that we're uh, talking about um, a DC property, so just you know, quick fire questions, whatever comes to mind. Ready? Um, ready? Number it. one, a real blend guest you're dying to have on. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Um, most anticipated DC property you want to see: Green Lantern, Man of Steel two, Peacemaker, James Gunn's Peacemaker show, or Flashpoint. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Uh, producer, you would want to take... I think I already know the answer to this one. Producer, you want to take out to dinner. Kevin Feige, Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, or David Heyman? Uh, I 
can't not say Feige, but but I will say J.J. Abrams. I'll Abrams, say J.J. Yeah. Abrams. I, yes. Dude, if you guys got Abrams on your podcast, it'd be amazing. Think of think of the stories that he could tell. Exactly. Think of the franchises he's been involved in. Think of the projects that he almost did but haven't hasn't done yet. Like, yeah, oh, he'd be an amazing oh, storyteller. Um, Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman 1984? Which one did you like better? Uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. First one. But I did like I did like 84. Mm-hmm. I feel like that got a lot of un- unfair criticism. Yes, and I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. It, it, it's a perfectly fun movie. Yeah, it's great. Um, favorite contemporary director? Barry Jenkins, Ari Oster, Taika Waititi, or Ryan Johnson? I'm going to go Ryan Johnson out of those four. That's an excellent director. Um, best 2020 show you binged this year in the... Cobra Kai. Is that on Netflix? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and it is per- a perfect sweet spot of nostalgia for someone like me who grew up on the Karate Kid franchise. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, favorite <laughs> yeah, Chris? Hemsworth, Pratt, Pine, or Evans? Pine. Pine. Uh, with Evans being a very close second. But Pine was, he's Captain Kirk. He's my favorite Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the coolest. Is Evans really coming back as Captain America already? Um... He says no, but I'm willing to bet they have some kind of cameo too soon, supporting part for him. I mean, they could do an entire Disney Plus series that's just him returning all the Infinity Stones. I would, I would love to that. see that, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's just I'd be first in line to see that. Um, a 2020 release that you had to watch at home because of COVID, but you wish you got to see in theaters. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, a movie called The Kid Detective. Um, with Adam Brody mm-hmm. that was really really compelling and I watched it at home and was still riveted by it but I would have liked to have been just in that immersed dark theater and, and really been able to zone in on the world that they created there yeah it's coming out on DVD soon and I know that it's still not theaters but if you haven't seen the kid detective yet give it a try it's really great okay is it on is it on demand currently Shoot, wait, I'm going to change. Uh, it's going to be on On Demand in a week. I'm also going to say News of the World. Um, I news of the world really want to watch Greengrass. News of the World. I love Paul Greengrass. Um, I Captain Phillips is by far one of the best theatrical or theater experiences I've had in my life. Um, wow, I remember, good. yeah. I remember cool. seeing that movie just like, I was 13 and it was just such a visceral like experience. Um, but he shot this to be like an old school Western mm-hmm. and it has beautiful panoramic you know, frontier shots, and it's just, I know that it is meant to be seen on the big screen, and I had to watch it on my television. Oh, okay. Um, next one, Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War or Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame? Which performance do you feel is better? Civil War. I'd agree with that, I'll yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Civil War. Um, He's great. Save or Kill, Adam Driver or Joaquin Phoenix? uh joaquin phoenix joaquin phoenix saving i'm saving joaquin phoenix i'm killing off adam driver Mm -hmm. um i think well yeah that's the end of our rapid fire thank you sean for playing (laughs) i have one final question what's that (laughs) it's a weird one to end on i just killed adam driver oh boy (laughs) it's okay he'll he'll live on he's in like he's in like three movies every year so He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, I do have one last question. Um, I'm curious, did you, when you first set out to write the Snyder Cut book, would you have want to have known that 
the the story would have a happy ending and that you know it would get a a release on HBO Max or would you or are you happy with the way that you began it and you know midway through you know your book had a happy ending that's a terrific terrific question um i would not trade uh, any way that this played out um honestly the ride has has truly been amazing and I bet you that if I knew it was coming, I would have approached the story completely differently. Mm-hmm. Like it was way more fun to be, to have a feeling that I was running on the treadmill alongside the people in the movement, wondering if it was coming and and almost stoking the flames of their enthusiasm. Um, so that when we all found out together, that that was so exciting. Like, yeah, it was great to really feel like I was kind of immersed in the story uh, when he made his announcement, and I, I, I'm glad I was really part of it when it when it happened. That that was super exciting. I wouldn't trade that for the world. I think um, so. Have they confirmed whether it's going to be like a mini series or is it going to be like a big movie? We literally just recorded a video for this uh, on Cinema Blend where we're oh. like, it's kind of ridiculous right now that we don't know the release date. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous right now that we don't know the format. Like. Why is all of this stuff being kept secret? <laughs> I don't understand. It's just leading to more uh, rampant speculation in the movement of like, mm-hmm. is it one shot? Is it four parts? Like, just clarify. Especially for people like you, like to do the junkets for that. I mean, I don't. You never know if Warner Brothers would would want to do that. Are they gonna junket it? Who's mm-hmm. gonna be part of it? Like, are you getting cast? Is Zach making the rounds? Like, what's yeah. going on? Would you Please want? Would him. you? Which which would you prefer? I'm curious. Would you prefer a four hour movie or like a six-part miniseries i guess i don't know um i want the the miniseries because i i really do think like shows like the mandalorian and um wandavision even right now have proven that when everybody's on the same page and everyone has seen the same amount of episodes mm-hmm. it generates much better conversation during the week like you can all talk about what you just saw yeah as opposed to just a huge binge where you don't really know where everybody else is in in the show or the movie yeah um you know, I, I'd like to see them sustain some conversation around it. And so um, yeah. I think that would be more beneficial to them. But nowadays you have no idea what things going to streaming. I don't know how it plays out. So yeah, we shall see. We shall see. All right, Sean, um, that's all I got. But I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm so happy that, you know, this this book is coming. And when is the book coming out, by the way? March 1st. March 1st. Um, available in uh, print uh, and there's a ebook version of it. I'm mm-hmm. working on negotiating the audiobook version of it that hopefully will be available at the same time. And you can pre-order it now anywhere that you get books. Um, I've been sending people to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Um, there's independent bookstores that you can order them from. We should be available uh, mm-hmm. just about anywhere you pick up books. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm a, again, I'm a huge fan of Real Blend. I can't wait to listen um, this week. Um, and thank you um, so much, man. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite episode was all of you guys arguing about Rise of Skywalker. It was, I think, yeah, it was last year. And it was, um, it was, it was just great, you know. Yeah, it's still a very, a very difficult topic for us. <laughs> I would, I would imagine. Probably that's why it doesn't come up every, um, too often. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, we thank you so much. And, no um, problem, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks yeah. so much. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, bye.